This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Jobs fill your pockets, but adventures fill your soul. Jamie Lynn. When he asked around the, the campfire, I was I raised my hand as well as two other people. I said, dude, I'm in there like swimmer, dude, let's do this. And so he gave us a quick little lesson on the, the knots that we had to learn and the route that we were gonna take and how to do it and how to prepare and what time we had to wake up. And, and so, yeah, we ended up doing that early in the morning and there was three or four of us and went up, took our photos, had our experience. And that was, the adrenaline rush was pretty crazy with that, especially, with the snow and ice and the cables were down. At this time of the year, this was early February, the cables weren't up. So we had to use our ice picks to chisel the wires out of the snow and ice. And so it was a lot of work to get up there. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. This week, we're going to spend some time in the American Southwest with fellow adventurer and photographer, Derek Ryan Matthewson. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Derek. How's it going? Hey, man. Good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, what kind of day have you had today? Woo. Where do I begin? Uh, long story short, I mean, I'm on one of my photography travels. I'm out here in Moab, Utah. And I started my day by canyoneering out here in uh, the medieval chamber out in Moab. So I was uh, rappelling down a couple hundred feet with some friends of mine 
So we were doing that to start the morning. And after we were done with that, I uh, just actually just got back from cliff jumping and hanging out at one of the uh, secret waterfalls here in Moab. And we were probably out there for the last three hours and just got back to my truck to make it in time for the podcast. So here I am. <laughs> well, fantastic. I appreciate you you arranging to uh, to get back in time to to have the interview. I'm a little jealous. My day was not as exciting. I had a couple of uh, <laughs> meetings and some difficult phone calls. Uh, and, and now here I am talking with, with Derek. So I appreciate it. Right on, man. Hey, how high was the, uh, the cliff you were jumping off of? Oh, it wasn't too bad. It's uh, only about 15, 20 feet. Right now, the water levels are a little low. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to jump from like a smaller or shorter the terrain from the cliffs but overall yeah it wasn't too bad the water's pretty cold so it's just melted ice from uh the mountains here but yeah i mean with the with the weather conditions out here and how warm it is it feels actually fantastic it's a little breezy out last couple of days and been pretty windy but still comfortable enough to where you're having a good time it's not too cold not really too hot you kind of like that right level Plus, I needed to wash my dreadlocks today so I was like hey let me go in the water and just wash these babies <laughs> But it's been a good day harder. for sure. Nice. Good. <laughs> yeah. With the water levels being low, you can't, you can't jump off that hundred foot cliff into three feet of water anymore. So it's makes a little tough. Yeah. You know, being 35 now, man, I, I'm not, you know, um, 19, 20, 21, 22, like I was before. So there was some young teenagers here that were doing like double, triple flips. I was like, I remember those days, man. But yeah, you still have to kind of be careful because the water level is a bit low. So. I was like, yeah, like I'll just stick to the 15, 20 footers, stick to what I know that's safe. Now, if you are remembering with fondness, the age of 19, I remember just as fondly the age of 35. So (laughs) yeah, I just turned 35 about two months ago. So, I mean, Hey, my thirties have been pretty good to me. So no complaints. Nice. And where are you, where are we doing the interview? I mean, I have a good look there. Uh, Tell me where you're calling in from. So I'm actually here in Moab, but I'm in the parking lot in my truck at the waterfall. I forget the name of the waterfall, honestly. It's kind of one of those secret little gems. My buddy uh, that I was with, he's the one that brought me here. So he says, hey, I know this. I think it's called Milk Creek Falls, something like that. I think that I think that's what it's called. And so we we're hanging out. And I said, hey, I just got to make sure I be back in time. And I think there's enough service in the parking lot where I can do the podcast. And so sure enough, I have four, four bars. And so they already took off. I told them I'll meet up with them at the campsite later, but I'm here in my truck. These are kind of like my curtains. That's like the window, obviously, but nice. yeah, I mean, I'm just in my truck and it's like perfect service. I think the lighting's okay from your end, right? It is. You look great. You look great. You sound great. Service sounds great. So is it, cool, a, yeah. is it a build out? I mean, do you live in your, in your van or in your truck? So when I'm on the road, yes, uh-huh. um, I've renovated the interior of my truck to where when I'm on the road traveling, doing my landscape photography, travel blogging, uh, this is my home on the road. So, I mean, you know, I have the basics being a, a solo traveler for the last five years now. I kind of know what I need and know what I don't. So I've become kind of a minimalist throughout the years. But I have custom made the interior to have my curtains. I have my LED lights. I'm sitting in my bed right now. All my storage compartments, my electronics, toiletries, food, my acoustic guitar, and then my cargo box that's on the roof. It's my inflatable kayak, toolbox, backpacking stuff, uh, canyoneering gear. And that's it, man. That's really all I need. Just that and the good vibes and good music, and I'm rolling. (laughs) 
the essentials. Maybe you can play something on the guitar for us a little bit later. It's kind of out of tune, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> now, our listeners are in for a real treat tonight because if you've, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know I like my stuff structured. I like to know what we're talking about in advance. Uh, I got it all planned out. We have some regular segments that we do. But tonight is going to be a bit unscripted. And when I say that, I mean, I still have my regular segments that I'm going to go through. But Derek purposefully did not read the, the outline ahead of time. He doesn't want to be... <laughs> He doesn't want to be uh, sound like he like it's scripted. He wants to be you know off the cuff and and have it fresh. So I I'm not trying that. to give you guys any kind of scripted answers, man. Like what you get from me is like true from the heart and just you know just kind of how I like to roll, but good ninety five percent of the time. So yes. And before I before we logged in here, I realized that we re- we really never settled in on the discussion points of you know kind of Derek's adventures and stories that we're going to talk about. So I have no idea what's coming. So this is going to be an adventure <laughs> on both sides of the mic tonight. Yeah, man, I'm super stoked. So let's okay. do it. All right. Hey, Derek, in all your travels, have you ever picked up a trail name? Do, do they ever refer to you by anything other than Derek? Out That's there? a good question. Um, I'm going to have to answer and say no. Okay. I mean, some of my friends that have known me throughout the years call me Sparrow. Or just, you know, call me uh, DHD, you know, Dreadhead Derek. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of my friends that do call me Sparrows only because I've always been a Pirates of the Caribbean fan. I've always been a Jack Sparrow fan. Long story short, the last seven Halloweens, I've dressed up as Jack Sparrow for Halloween. So I can see it. My, I can see it. <laughs> yeah. My truck is named after one of the ships in Pirates of the Caribbean called the Black Pearl because I drive in an all black. 2003 z71 chevy tahoe custom made license plate frame that says the black pearl so yeah you know i mean that kind of sits with me a little bit but i have some friends yeah they call me sparrow or just dhd or there that's really about it (laughs) have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before you know what i have not man and i apologize for that no 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 apology necessary i just want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of the episode called the pro tip insight of the week and that's okay. where I will turn to you and I will ask you to share some trail wisdom or some adventure wisdom uh, so that our listeners next outdoor experience is even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay, cool. Okay. The must bring gear review. Oh, that's half calf. there telling us that it's time for the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, six moon designs. And here's how it works, Derek. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Derek, what is your must bring piece of gear out there? I got an answer for you already. Okay. So my one piece of gear that I would have to bring, which is how I get into all of my shots that I take, is my tripod. The tripod, man. My tripod, I use a, um, a six and a half foot tall Abbott tripod. Okay. And mm-hmm. at, uh, the uh, the tripod is what I use to not only take all my shots, but that is also the key in me getting into a lot of the shots that I take. And so long story short, my trademark and all my photographs that I take is I like to be in my photographs to use as depth and scale, especially if I'm in some super tall canyon and, you know, and I'm just a small little like you know, pinch little size person in this 200, 300 foot tall canyon. 
people look at that like oh my god like where is this and who took this photo and oh my gosh like you're so tiny you're so far away how'd you take this photo and so yeah having the tripod is absolute key to have for sure now if you're going to appear like a very small human in this very large shot how far away from the camera do you have to be i'm really not that far it's all it's all scale okay and all it's all angle and that's what i love about landscape photography because when you're looking at these photos and a photo can say so much, it really can. And I have a lot of friends that live vicariously and family that live vicariously through my photos and travels. And so when they see these pictures of me in these different locations and particularly these spots where I'm just such a small little ant in this large domain or location, there's like, man, like uh, the scale of these shots are so amazing. It's just, how do you take it? And how far away? And like you just asked, like, how far away are you? And it's just all the angles. And so sometimes I can be maybe 50 feet away. Sometimes I'm over 200 feet away. It just really depends, but it doesn't really take me that long. So, so once I set up, if you're going to go take a shot, that's 200 feet away from the camera, how do how is it? Is the camera on a time delay or do you have a remote in your hand? How does that work? Nope. And so all of my shots, are taken on my iPhone 11, but I use a long exposure camera app that I purchased and downloaded. And I use that for all my shots. And in the settings of that app, you can adjust what they call an intervalometer. In the intervalometer, you can adjust how many shots you want to be taken with how many seconds in between each photo will go by before the shot is taken. So today, um, you know, actually I didn't photograph anything today. Today was kind of just a day off, just fun and exploring. But yesterday when I was photographing Corona Arch here in Moab, I set up my intervalometer at 80 shots with two seconds in between each photo. And that's how I do it. Once I set up my composition of what I want in my framing, then it's like, okay, I kind of figure out where I want my placement to be in the shot. And then from there, it's like, okay, and I just let it shoot and it'll shoot, you know, one shot, two seconds go by, two shots, two seconds go by, three shots, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so if, if, if it's still shooting by the time that I come back to the tripod, then I just turn it off. I'll look at the photo, see how they came out. And if I'm happy with how they came out, the lighting, the angles, then that's really about it. But if I feel like I don't like my placement or the lighting's off, I want to adjust uh, the composition, then I'll reshoot it. And I'll do that until I'm happy with the shot. So. Wow. That's fantastic. And I, I've seen your shots on, on Instagram and they are, they are impressive. They're beautiful. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. And not, not one of them was taken with a DSLR camera. That's what I was just <laughs> going to say. If you would have told me that this was all taken with a, an iPhone 11 with the use of an app and a intervalometer. Did I get that right? Intervalometer? Inter- intervalometer. Yeah. Yes. I, I, w- I would have said that uh, there's no way there ha- it has to be a, a, something different than that but well the app is amazing too though and i'll give a shout out to the app too and the the app is just called slow shutter cam and i believe it's free now i paid originally 5.99 for it originally Mm -hmm. and i think it's free now and i talked to the the founder i think his name is daniel i think uh i talked to him like all the time and we're working out some collaborations on some some stuff that he plans on putting together and i give all kinds of um just i don't know uh, 
I give a lot of shout outs about the yeah. app all the time. So he's constantly getting like new downloaders all the time. So, but it's a great app. I mean, the settings in it are so different in comparison to where if you're shooting with a, a phone, um, the settings are so different where you can adjust the, the settings, uh, the light settings to low, medium, low light, the ISO time, the shutter time, again, the intervalometer, the settings are so different. You kind of have to play around with it, with it to what meets your standards to what and how you prefer to photograph. So Got you'd it. have to toy around with it for a bit. Hey, what do you think Ansel Adams would say to that whole setup? <laughs> um, it's a good would question. He be like, would he be like, uh, dang it. I, I carried, you know, 40 pounds of equipment with me through the mountains to, to get these pictures. I wish they had this back in my day. Or do you think he'd be like, I'm a purist. I need to, I need to have the, the big cameras and uh, not use an app. He'd, he'd probably most likely be a purist where he's like, no, I'm going to stick to my camera. I don't care how much equipment I have to bring with me. I'm going raw. I'm sticking to what I know. And, you know, the way technology is nowadays, I mean, who knows what he'd really be saying. But for me, I've always kind of been like less is more. So if I can use a phone that takes up maybe half the amount of space and get almost the same shots that a DSLR camera can shoot, I'm game all day, man. Okay. And that's a, that's a good segue talking about taking up space and how small things are. Mm-hmm. It's the hiking pole. We're going to talk about uh, gear and equipment and your philosophy on excursions out there. I've got seven questions for you called the hiking pole. It's P O L L like a survey, not P O L E like the, what you hold in your hand out there. And <laughs> after asking these seven questions, it's going to come up with a, I'm going to come up with a score. It's totally subjective, you know, on my interpretation of things. So don't, don't, uh, don't be offended. Uh, give you a score from one to a hundred with 100 be you're, you're completely sane and one you're completely bonkers. All right. Okay. You ready for this? Okay. So, okay, here we Wait, go. Wait, 100 so, meaning what? Your 100 means you're totally sane. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And one, and one being you're totally crazy. Okay. Okay. So do you do a lot of uh, multi-day hikes out there? I, pretty much every day. Any, anytime I'm on my travels, uh-huh. I pretty much hike every single day. Okay. For multiple days in a row. I mean, you're out there with a tent and stuff or. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's not just every day doing a new hike, uh-huh. then it's either maybe a couple day backpacking trip. Okay. One of the, one of the two. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So here, here's the first question. Easy one. Trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? No trekking poles. No trekking poles. I've never used a trekking pole in my life, to be honest with you. And what, what is the barrier there? Why, why the resistance to trekking poles? Mm, for me, I feel, for me personally, mm-hmm. I don't want to insult anybody. No, you, but you, for me, you're speaking for me, for you. it holds me back. They get, they get in the way for me. Okay. I've always been one that's been into outdoors. I've always enjoyed resistance training workouts, particularly leg workout days. Mm-hmm. So when I'm hiking, I prefer to just have my hands hands free. That's just me. Mm-hmm. And just kind of move and get to that destination of where I'm headed. So I don't use trekking poles, no. Okay. No trekking poles. Next question. What's on your feet? Boots or trail runners? I use boots. Absolutely. Hiking boots. boots. Do you have a favorite brand? I do. Right now, I currently own the Omni Heat. Um, they're Gore-Tex, um, hiking boots by Columbia. 
Okay. So those are the ones I'm currently using and they're, they're great boots are super lightweight. They're more designed for, I want to say like winter because, because they're Omni heat, they're supposed to, they're supposed to keep your feet insulated and warm. But to be completely honest with you, all the years I've had, I've had them for three years now. And so all the years that I've had them, I've never felt like my feet are like super hot like while I'm hiking. Cause I do use wool socks or just like comfort socks with like, um, arch support and whatnot. So, um, I've never had a problem with them, okay. like overheating my feet, but yeah, they're super comfortable. They're affordable. Um, Columbia does make some pretty good actually hiking boots. So those are the ones that I use. I do like ankle support as well. So the fact that they offer that love them. Okay. And no blisters. No, no, okay. never have gotten a blister. Never, never, okay. never. No, you're one of the lucky few. No blisters. Out there. <laughs> nice. All right. Hey, when it comes to shelter out there on, on a multi-day excursion, uh, what is your preferred shelter? Tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or cowboy camping? Ooh, that's a good question because I do a mixture of cowboy camping, but I also will backpack my tent in. There's nothing like having a like good shelter and just like a, a front door, which is obviously the entrance of the tent. So I would have to go with the tent if I had to. I have a one-person lightweight tent, and it's by REI, and it works great for me. Okay. Now, how about your sleep system? You prefer a sleeping bag or a quilt? Sleeping bag. Yeah. When I'm backpacking, sleeping pad by Kyrie. Uh, that's, a, that, that's the brand. And I think my sleeping bag is some off-brand. It's some, honestly, I totally forgot the name of the brand, but I'm an ambassador for them. So they sent me the sleeping bag. And it's been actually really, really nice. It's been really comfortable. It keeps me warm. It's four seasons. Um, so, but when I'm traveling, at least sleeping in my truck, I have my bed in here and my sleeping bag and a couple of blankets. And that's enough to keep me comfortable and warm. So, <laughs> okay. Next question. Big, big, uh, big point deduction here. If you answer the wrong way. So be careful uh, when okay. it comes to food, when it comes to food, are you a stove guy, cold soak or stoveless? I'm stoveless, man. I usually pack in a lot of fruits, nuts, seeds. I'm eating some almonds right now. I do a lot of pre-cooked, like organic chicken sausages, which I love because there's no cooking involved. So because they're pre-cooked, having like a four or five pack, if I'm backpacking or just like a day hike, just pack that into the backpack and just break the seal, have maybe one or two of those. I'm good to go, man. And that does it for me, again, just with fruit seeds and um yeah it's really about it i mean okay. pretty simple and is that because of the convenience of just you know reaching in and grabbing something to eat whenever you want without too much uh, setup and preparation or is it a, a weight saving measure it's a good question because a lot of it has to do with me being a health nut so i worked in backtracking here a little bit before I started my travels, I worked in a nutrition shop for 10 years on a Navy base in Port Wainimi, California. And so my health and wellness and desire to just live a healthy lifestyle, a healthy active lifestyle, a lot of that had to do with what I was not just doing in the gym, but also what I was eating in the kitchen. And so till this day, no matter where I go, a lot of the food that I have here in my truck, a lot of it's organic or um uh, fresh, uh, locally raised like food. So 
I, I look at the sources of where a lot of the stuff that I'm eating came from. So when it comes to what I'm packing on my backpack or uh, backpacking uh, leader backpack, I try to make sure I pack food that's clean, but it's also going to give me the energy that I need at the same time. So that's why I say nuts and seeds, fruits. Um, I do like like uncured organic beef hot dogs, which are actually pretty clean. Um, I don't do like no Oscar Mayer hot dogs, none of that stuff, man. So I'm pretty particular. I'm the worst to grocery shop with because I look at every ingredient that's on the label. So, but yeah, I, I try to focus on carbs, proteins, fats, anything that's a good source of energy and that's clean. So, okay. Now this is not, this is not one of the seven questions. This is a follow-up question to that one. What, uh, <laughs> what ingredient, if you see it on a, on a package, what, what ingredient is a solid no-go? I'm, there's no way I'm buying that. Soy protein isolate. Oh, that you, you had that answer ready to go. Soy protein. That's, isolate. that's just one of a couple of them. Yeah. I mean, soy protein, maltodextrin, MSG, uh, hydrogenated fats. I mean, do you want me to go on? I mean, there's a lot of ingredients that I look for. If it has that, I'm out. Oh man, I'm going to clean out the cupboard after this interview. Move it down. (laughs) Got that pantry. (laughs) All right. Hey, uh, next question. Is life better above or below the tree line? Ooh, it's a good question. Ooh, that is a tough one. I'm going to have to say above, man. I'm going to have to say above. I love looking at things from a different perspective. And I feel like when you look at things from above, you get an overall view of kind of what you're looking at, an overall scale. And so I would have to go with that. Okay. It can go, but it can go both ways though. But you can make an argument either way, two, but but I would have to go with the yeah, app from above if I had to Got choose. It. Got it. Okay. Last question. What's in, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Pack weight. For sure. Yeah. I'm one of those throughout the years, man, after doing solo traveling for five and a half years now, like one thing I've definitely found out about myself is I become a minimalist. And so I know what I need. I know what I don't. I'm a person that doesn't collect a lot of things, but I collect a lot of memories. And that's kind of prefer how I like to sit. Obviously not everybody else thinks the same, but for me, photography is a way for me to kind of capture my feelings, memories, emotions of where I was at at that particular time and location and being, being able to share that with other people has been awesome. I mean, I would have never have thought from where I'm at today that I would have the amount of followings and support from people, family, friends. It's been cool. So yeah, I'm not much of a, a, a person that collects things just memories. And so memories is also just what you remember up here and what I'm shooting through the lens. So that's right. That's right. That's a, that's a poetic way to put it. Collect memories, not things. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Hey, let me do some quick math here. I got to carry the three. I'm going to divide by the square root of five. Going to multiply that by pi. And we're going to adjust uh, to factor in the air pressure from the top of Mount Whitney. And I come up with a solid 82. 82. You're not that crazy. You're not that crazy. I don't think so. I'm pretty sane. Pretty sane. You made, <laughs> you made some good arguments. Even when I didn't agree with you on some points, you had you had some solid backup as to, to why you did it that way. So nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Love to hear your origin story. 
talk about uh, where you're from, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies did you play, uh, maybe when you were in high school, and then how did you get involved in the outdoor adventure cult? Yeah, so shoot, let's think, let's go back here. So I'm 35, just mm-hmm. turned 35, March 2nd, so I'm a Pisces, and uh, born and raised in Ventura County, California. Ventura, uh, not, too, not too far away from where I am. No, no, and considering you're not that far, we'll definitely have to schedule a day where we can meet up in person for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Deal. So we'll definitely plan that out. We'll talk about that more afterwards, but yeah, from Ventura County, I go home all the time. I'm usually on the road weeks, maybe a month, month and a half, usually at most two months at a time. Then I go back and see my family, my brother, my sister, my brother's almost one-year-old son, my nephew. Mm-hmm. And so I hang out with them and I work as a, um, a respite care provider. So I work for two different companies, working with families that have kids with autism and disabilities. And then I also work as a contractor for Anytime Fitness Gym in Oxnard. And so when I'm back, I just hustle, 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 try to get as many hours in as possible I do a lot of under the table freelance work, whether it's photography or graphic design work, whether it's, um, um, what is I say? Photography, graphic mm-hmm. design work and ac- acrylic art painting. So I do like a, a lot of art paintings on t-shirts, doc, leather jackets, doc, Martin boots, you name it. So, um, so I stay busy for sure. When I, whether yeah, I'm home or on the road. Yeah. And yeah. It's nice to have a lot of different hobbies and interests, man. I mean, I try to use my skill sets to make money and to get by. And so when I'm back home, that's kind of what I'm doing and then build up that cash flow and then start planning that next road trip. So mm-hmm. when I head back, my next trip coming up is going to be out to the Pacific Northwest, uh, NorCal, Oregon, Washington. And how long I'll be out there, I don't, I don't know just yet. But, but yeah, I mean, and so and getting so into growing, growing up in Ventura, did you go to Ventura High School? No. So growing up, I actually grew up in Oxnard. I just tell people Ventura County, right. it's easier, That's right. Okay. but I grew up in Oxnard and I went to Rio Mesa high school. Mm-hmm. And then for college, I took a lot of college courses over at the junior college, Ventura college. And so I was going to school at the time for sports medicine, athletic training. And I had just finished all my general eds, all my prereqs, my internship hours there. And at that time, I was working in that nutrition shop on the Navy base in Wainimi, California. And at that time, I was actually talking to a chick that was a full-time traveler, also into hiking, photography. She made her money on her artwork. And so she sold a lot of that and made enough to get by. And so, you know, I was talking to her. We met up in person quite a few times. And she was a real big inspiration on what I'm doing today as a solo traveler. We don't talk anymore. That's another story. But at the same time, like she was a big inspiration, my desire to hit the road. And I really didn't find that interest in photography until my second year of being on the road. My first year, it was just kind of point the camera, shoot and just take off and move. Nowadays, fast forwarding, I spent a lot of time on angles, lighting, timing, and just making sure I really get like those key shots that's, that really says a lot about that particular photograph. So that's kind of where I am today. Okay. So it sounds like you're on a path. You're on a path. You're going to college. Uh, you're exploring sports medicine. And, and fast forward, here we are, right? 17 years later, 18, uh, 16 years later. 
Um, was it a was it a light switch that that flicked? Was it a was it you talked to her and you you made a split second? This is this is a change in direction. This is what I'm going to do. Or was it a, a kind of a gradual got used to talk to her and said, you know what, this might be the way to go. How, how did that all play out? It's interesting because we met by accident on a dreadlock page on Instagram. She had dreadlocks too. And so when she was, I was following her travels, seeing where she was at, what she was doing, we had met up for the first time in Valley of Fire State Park in Nevada, just 40 miles past Vegas. That's where we met up for the first time, got to know each other, hiked around. And there was something that kind of clicked between both of us. I'm like, okay, you know, she's cute. Got a lot of the same similar interests. She felt the same. And she's like, hey, I'm going to be coming through the Santa Barbara area. It'd be cool to meet up again. I'm like, cool. Let me know. We'll, we'll link up. I'll put the put uh, put aside the time and so it was around that time when I really got to know a little bit more about her and she filled me in about her lifestyle how she made the money and I was getting close to my 10-year anniversary working in that retail job on the base and I was getting over the changes that were going on with the management and they were actually taking away the nutrition shop they said Hey, Derek, we're actually doing away with the shop. The sales aren't quite there. We're going to move you into a different department in which I did move into that department for a while, but instantly knew it's not me. It's not me. And so right around that time, I was talking to her, my 10 years are coming up. And so I kind of made a decision like, Hey, I have like a good comfort level here. It pays decent. It's a retail job, but pays decent and has good security here. Cause my dad's retired Navy, you know, uh, worked on that same base. So I was kind of like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And I just told myself in my head and like, I just, one, I'm not happy here Two, I don't want to be that person that works to live. I want to live to, or I don't want to yeah, live to work. I want to be able to work to live. And so with what I was able to make there during the 10 years, I had set aside enough money to where I said, you know, I'm just going to take a break from school for a while working i'm going to just renovate my truck to do a temporary road trip and that was really the start of everything man so that trip in 2017 where i was gone six months straight that was the beginning of everything where i was like dude like i could see myself living this kind of lifestyle and um i can use my skill sets to make money and i'm sure i'll figure it out i got some sources and as these years have gone on i've definitely built up so many more collaborations being an ambassador for different companies. Yeah. I'm trying to make it to that next step. It hasn't been easy as a photographer. I personally don't know anybody that's really made it or have made a lot of money as a photographer, but I'm, I'm positive I'll get there. So with where I'm at today, I'm pretty content with what I've been able to put together and it's been fun, man. Fantastic. Now with your dad being retired Navy, uh, sometimes folks in the military are, are pretty structured and have an idea <laughs> of you know what the world should be like and what, what people's uh, place in the world should be like. Uh, was there any kind of pushback from the family when you decided to make this change and, and live this life of, of adventure? There was, because like with you just stating, my dad comes from a different mindset being he, he left his two younger brothers and his mom from Austin, Texas when he was 16, 16 or 17, and just knew that he didn't want to live there. And his dad had left the family when my dad was probably only like four years old. And my dad's the oldest of three. 
he just knew he didn't want to be in Austin, Texas. So he joined the service. And so him being into the service all these years and then now being retired, but still working on the military base, his mindset is different, how he sees and thinks about things. So when he looks at me, I'm going, but then it's like, when I come back into town, I'm ready for those questions. Like, so when are you going to, you know, get back to work again? And Hey, what's the next step in your life? And, you know, he, he says in a nonchalant way to where he's not trying to come off like too aggressive, but I know where he's coming from. Cause I know him. He's my dad. I, I know my dad. So I know what he's trying to get to, but I'm trying to just do it a different way. And I'm hoping that, you know, I can make it off the lifestyle that I'm living and off my skill set and talent. And I'm going to make, make them, you know, just prove them wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> now you, you mentioned brother and sister. Is it just one of each that you have? I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Oh, so you're the oldest. You're the oldest. What's, the, the, oldest. what's the age gap? I'm 35. Mm-hmm. My brother's 33. Okay. And my sister just turned 30. Okay. And are they also involved in a life of adventure or did they follow a more traditional <laughs> path? I think they live vicariously through a lot of my photos for sure. Okay. But when I head back home, now that my brother's got a you know young son, he's pretty tied down. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't like the outdoors. I mean, he likes to go out and do family-related things, kayak, hit the beach, go on fairly short hikes, but nothing intense like what I'm doing. And my sister, definitely. Like, she's being her. We'll go snowboarding. We've done a few backpacking trips. So she's all about it. But she's kind of tied into her work. Single, no kids. So, I mean, she's got a little bit more time. But me and her definitely will connect a little bit more than me and my brother. He's tied down with the kid now, so. Okay. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, well, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about. So you'll have to Uh tune in and find out along with me what Derek has to to share with us. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the back country to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. 
So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Derek from the back of his truck in a parking lot in Moab. And uh, this next part is going to be exciting. So I've been uh, wondering here how to how to get into this. And I think, you know, I know you're a photographer. I know you take put a lot of time into getting the right shot. I guess my first question would be that what what is the toughest spot you had to get to for a photo? What was the most Ooh. challenging uh, lead up? to a great photo man that is a good question doing this for five years now i kind of have to think about this um i think the first shot that at least that comes to mind that was really difficult to shoot was probably it's going to catch you by surprise but this is kind of the truth was probably multnomah falls in oregon only because all the shots that I had seen was a full shot of the upper and lower falls with nobody in the shot. Meaning if you've ever seen a picture of that waterfall, there's a bridge that sits right in between the upper and lower falls. So it's the lower falls, bridge, upper falls. All the shots that I've seen of that have been super clean and of, you know, of the upper and lower waterfalls. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because when I got there and saw it for the first time in person, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is freaking huge. The scale of it is really, really big. I don't know if you've had a chance to go to Multnomah falls in the Columbia river gorge. It's a beautiful waterfall, by the way, really beautiful. But what takes away from that, um, that feeling and scenery is the fact that they've kind of made it into a tourist trap. Like they have a little gift shop and they have like Multnomah falls cafe um, it's right off the road. There's like no hiking. You park, walk, maybe not even 50 feet and it's right there. And so from pictures, it's really hard to tell whether or not you really had to work to get there or what you're getting yourself into. So photographing that, I was like, holy crap, I don't have like a wide angle lens to shoot the whole thing. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, maybe if I step further back, I can capture it. And, and I kind of got to a shot where I was close to getting the whole entire thing. But at the same time, I also had to deal with people walking across that bridge. And so I'm like, oh, now I got to wait for that shot where there's like nobody on the bridge. And then to try to figure out how I can get myself in the shot, it was almost impossible because you had to hike up like this loop trail to get up to where the, the bridge is. Mm-hmm. And it actually never ended up happening. I was never able to even get myself in the photo because, well, considering the little like overlook um, areas that to set up the tripod and there's people like literally right behind me, it was a tough shot. I mean, I'm not going to go too much further, but that's a first location that comes to my mind that was really difficult to shoot based on photos I had seen. Like, oh, it's a really 
looks nice, super scenic. But the scale is you definitely have to use a wide angle lens. And because it's so popular, it's a a tourist trap and it's right off the road. Mm -hmm. makes it really, really difficult. So that's the first one that comes to mind at least. (laughs) Okay. Now, interesting with the iPhone 11, are there settings on the camera that allow for widescreen or are there, are there like attachments you can use on your iPhone to get that effect as well? There are. So at that time I was using the iPhone eight. So at that time they didn't have that option. Right. I just, it just had like the one camera lens. And so that's what I was using at the time. So I couldn't uh, make that adjustment. And at that time as well, and this is going back to at least five years ago. This is like when I first started my travels. Um, I had not known about the camera lens attachments. So I, I didn't use those a little bit later on. I did find out that you can actually use these attachments uh, for like macro or uh, wide angle lens that you can put on. And I did use those for a short period of time. But you know what? I found that the, uh, the quality of the shots weren't quite as good. So I stopped using those. They were really low quality shots. And so fast forwarding now, I have an iPhone 11. Yes, you can adjust your photos to that wide angle lens, which I'll tell you what, man, it is, it's a, it makes a difference in night and day. If you're trying to shoot something that's so large in scale and you're trying to shoot the whole thing, that wide angle lens gives you that option. And it's quite awesome to be honest with you. Game changer. Absolutely. Yeah. And while we're on the, the subject of photography with an iPhone, do you have any, any tips? What's your best tip for shooting landscape with an iPhone? Me personally, I prefer to shoot with lower light, particularly if I'm shooting anything that's long exposure. So I use the same app, the, the slow shutter cam for all my shots, all my shots, hundred percent of them. So when I'm using the app, I do use my tripod because once I set up the composition of the location of where I'm at, then I try to figure out where in that composition I want to place myself. And most of the time they're natural. It's either just me walking or I'm sitting on a rock ledge or something like that, sitting on a, um, a log more natural, but it's like when I'm, when I'm trying to place myself, I try to make sure that, you know, I have my tripod, obviously use the slow shutter cam set up my composition and I prefer low lighting. So it's early morning, later evening, or even if it's in the middle of the day and it's overcast or you got clouds in the sky to give that contrast and extra composition all day. That's more my preference for sure. I just feel like to try to force a shot on a day where it's super, super overexposed, no editing will fix a bad shot. That's just my rule of thumb. So I just stick to what I know and low lighting is kind of what I, where I'm at. That's good to know. You know, I, I, I use an iPhone to take my shots as, as well. And my photos don't look like your photo. So I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to soak it up here. Thanks. Download that app, man. Uh, that's as soon as we're done, that's what I'm doing. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you have to toy around with the settings, but you'll, you'll get the hang of it. Yep. All right. Hey, um, let's talk about your proudest accomplishments out there in the, in the wild. Do you have some particular trips that are pretty memorable for you? Uh, you know what I do? I do have quite a few, but I have, so on my cargo box, on my roof, on my roof, my truck, where I keep all my backpacking gear, um, my inflatable kayak, my toolbox, my 
um my uh my tire insulators other miscellaneous things Mm -hmm. Um, on that cargo box i have three decals that's on there and one of my buddies my joel my my joel my buddy joel was telling me right before maybe 10 minutes before we started this podcast he's like yo dude you need more stickers on your on your um cargo box i was like nah no i don't he's like no you do i was like nah like those three decal stickers that are on there are like some of my proudest moments so it's like once i have complete those few other ones that are out there I have space reserved for those decals too. So I was like, Oh, okay. And so those three decals that I have on there is actually one of them that says I hiked rim to rim, the grand Canyon. in one day I have another one that says I mountaineered a path dome and it doesn't say much more than that, but I actually have mountaineered up that uh, up, uh, half dome with a few friends of mine in the winter. So we did it on snow and ice with our crampons and all that stuff. And the other one says, I, I hiked Mount Whitney in one day. And those are the three that I have on there. So those are some of the proudest moments that, I, that I've accomplished, but there's so many others. <laughs> those are, those are three pretty big feats, pretty big accomplishments of those three. How actually, how would you rank those three in terms of difficulty? Mount Whitney, number one. Okay. Half dome, number two. And then uh, Grand Canyon, number three. Wow. Rim to rim in one day is number three. I found it to be easy. Okay. To be honest with you, I think mountaineering or going up Half Dome was pretty difficult, particularly doing that in the winter was tough because I had no mountaineering skills. And I was with a group of friends of mine that all worked at REI. And every year we were doing an annual backpacking trip in Yosemite Mm -hmm. and one of my friends brought a friend of his that came down from Washington he was from Vietnam and was out here temporarily but had done can uh, mountaineering sorry uh yeah mountaineering lessons on the side to make a little cash and so he had brought extra gear with him on that backpacking trip asking people like hey I brought extra harnesses carabiners crampons who wants to climb um half dome tomorrow we are only two and a half miles from the base of uh, half dome we were at a small uh, we were at a campsite called little yosemite campground yep and so we're only about two and a half miles away and so when he asked around the the campfire i was i raised my hand as well as two other people i said dude i'm in there like swimmer dude let's do this and so he gave us a quick little lesson on the, the knots that we had to learn and the route that we were going to take and how to do it and how to prepare and what time we had to wake up. And, and so, yeah, we ended up doing that early in the morning and there was three or four of us and went up, took our photos, had our experience. And that was the adrenaline rush is pretty crazy with that, especially with the snow and ice and the cables were down at this time of the year. This was early February. The cables weren't up. So we had to use our ice picks to chisel the wires out of the snow and ice. And so it was a lot of work to get up there. And just being up there and looking at Yosemite from that viewpoint was pretty damn amazing. So That's fantastic. Now, you know, occasionally we will stumble upon the title of the episode uh, as we're talking. And I think we just came to the title of this episode. You just said that you're in there like swimwear. 
that that's that's the title i can't i can't do any better than that <laughs> i use, i say it all the time man i don't know it's like one of my favorite little like mottos that i use <laughs> in there like swimwear with derek perfect done mike drop love it all right and uh let's go back to the grand canyon for a second have mm-hmm. you heard of buzz burrell uh i'm not too familiar so buzz burrell is the popularizer i i, I call him the creator of, of the FKT, but he corrected me. He said, no, he's not the creator. He's just the popularizer of the FKT fastest known time. And during our, our episode, uh, we talked and one of his adventures was doing the rim to rim to rim. And oh wow, he, he actually created an alternate because there was too many people on the, on the bridge that goes across the Colorado river. And so oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he and his buddy, they, they, they went a little further up and they did not use the bridge. They just swam across the Colorado River. So it was oh, wow. rim to rim to rim swimming across the Colorado River. Okay, that's pretty nuts. <laughs> I mean, that, that river has got some force to it. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, he said it was definitely not swimming straight across. You would enter in at this point, and then you would end up you know, downstream on the other side uh, quite a bit down. So, Wow. All right. That's crazy. We- I've, never, I've never heard that before. That's the first time. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not even sure if that's allowed these days. But uh, that was back in the day, and and that's what they decided to do. So, dang man. <laughs> okay, let's talk. Let's talk about Whitney. So you did that in one day. Did you start from Whitney Portal, or did you start at at the uh, the camp? I did. So a friend of mine's, she had scored four permits for doing Mount Whitney, and she had asked me like last, last minute, I just got done backpacking at Havasu Falls in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I just got done backpacking there and she had asked me, I said, well, I'm actually heading back to Oxnard right now. Like what day are we talking about? It's like, Oh, it's like in the next like five, six days, whatever amount of time it was. I'm like, Oh man, like, I don't know if I'm prepared. I don't know if I have the gear. And so long story short, I ended up making it happen. My other buddy, freddie that i mountaineered uh uh half dome with he was one of my buddies that also did that trip with me and we ended up staying the night in town woke up around maybe 11 30 drove up to whitney portal and she only had a permit for a one day so we didn't get acclimated and that was probably one of the hardest parts for sure because not getting acclimated and just starting right from the trailhead at that elevation, just working your way up. You say you've done it before. No. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't done the one day I've done it as, as the conclusion to the John Muir trail a couple of times. Oh, okay. Yeah. So coming in from the other direction, but you've already been hiking at 10,000 feet for, you know, a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, that's, that's something I've never done the John Muir trail, but that's kind of on the bucket list, but I would that's kind of something I would, I would more so prefer to do that with a person or two, not really solo. So, but we'll see. I mean, but yeah, getting up to the top, like we started at eight twenty in the morning. So I just to take it back, take it back. We started at uh, midnight. We stood, we got on the trail around midnight. We got to the summit of Mount Whitney around yeah eight twenty, and then me and my buddy Freddie we passed the three other friends that were with us in our group as we're already heading down. They're still on their way up. And I said, you guys are close. Keep moving. 
you can't turn around now. We'll see you guys at the bottom. And so me and Freddie end up getting down to the bottom and we got to the bottom around like two 15 or so. So that's about 14 hours. That's pretty straight good. up freaking hiking, bro. And we were so exhausted. The first thing we did, because a small little gift shop, um, like cafe, first thing we did was just get a six pack of beer and just some French fries and just carve the hell up. That's but right. My fingers, man, my fingers looked like Mickey Mouse fingers. They were so inflamed and poofy. I should have taken a picture of it, but I'll never forget it. It was so crazy. Yeah, that hike is no joke for for the you know the the ascent up. I mean, right from the get go, you're going up and you're going up the whole way. You hit the 99 switchbacks eventually, and then yeah, you know, it's straight up from there. And then coming down, coming down, uh, that is my least favorite path in the world that I've that I've hiked. There is not a clean footfall anywhere. You've got to watch every single foot footstep, and it's just a, a really difficult hike down. From what I remember, yeah, it was. I, the only thing that was going through my mind was just, let's just get back to the portal. Let's just get back to the portal. I want to weigh my, my pack. I want to weigh myself. And so being able to do that in one day, I can say I've done it. It's off the list. I'm glad that my friend had hit me up about doing it, but I don't think I'll ever do it again. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. Now, did your friends that you passed on the way down, did they, did they also succeed? They did. After okay. me and my buddy got got back down to the portal around 215, 220 or so, they came down probably about three hours later. Okay. So we took a nap in the truck. We said, all right, like we had we had her keys and we had already planned that out ahead of time. Like, hey, just in case if me and Freddie finish before, we're gonna hold on to the keys. And she was okay with that. So yeah, we took a little power nap in the driver passenger seat and um yeah they eventually came back down about three hours later so okay now have you ever found your not not to say that these weren't tough these are very difficult uh accomplishments have you ever found yourself facing some very difficult adversity out there has anything bad happened to you on the trail or uh, elsewhere you know that's a good question and no i've never broken a bone i've never sprained an ankle mm -hmm. um I've never really had anything severe like happen to my truck with me in the vehicle, but there was a point of time when I first started my travels in 2017. This is when I was on the road for about six months or so. And at this time I was in Portland, Oregon, visiting a friend I hadn't seen since junior high. And I told her I was coming through there through, through town and she said hey you know come stay with me for a night or two let me introduce you to my fiance yada yada and so I grabbed a few things from my truck stayed the night in her apartment my truck was probably parked about 50 60 70 feet away they didn't have like a guest or visitor parking so I just had to park along the side of the curb and middle of the night man somebody broke into my truck seeing that somebody was living in here and they probably were just like dude we just hit the jackpot and they stole my whole truck. So instead of just going through and taking what they wanted, they hot wired the truck, mountain bike on the back, cargo box on the roof, all my necessities in, inside the truck and hot wired it and took the whole vehicle. And so obviously woke up the next morning, my truck's gone, did the police report. I was fortunate enough to have the police call me five days later and tell me, 
hey, Mr. Matthewson, we found your truck. Unfortunately, it's not in the same condition you last saw it in. So we had it towed to this location. You can pick it up here. So at that time, I was staying at another friend's house. He um, took me over to the address that was given to us. And yeah, I mean, I, had, I still had my keys. I had my phone, my wallet, clothes I was wearing, a few things here and there. But when I saw the truck, yeah, it was stripped. The windows were shattered. They had taken the California license plate off and put an Oregon license plate on. Bike was gone. They broke into the cargo box. And they, they drove it around for a good amount of time because the last time I had had the truck, it was on half a tank of gas. Mm-hmm. When I started up the truck, which I was fortunate enough that it started, it was on empty. They had left their receipts for fast food joints that they had went through, and they had left some of their clothing behind, their pack of cigarettes. And I do believe that they were going to come back because the only thing they had left behind was just the driver's seat. So they had taken the back because it's all leather seating in my truck. So they took the passenger seat. They took the stereo system, the back seating. So they were going to come back. And that driver's seat was only mounted in by one of the four bolts. So they were going to come back. So I was fortunate enough, yeah, again, that the police had found it. And then I just went to um, like a strip. uh, What do you call those little um, lots? It's like a pick your parts. You just go to like one of those lots and pick a part off another vehicle. I was extremely fortunate to find some of the parts that I needed off like another Chevy vehicle. So and that's what I did, man. And my friend convinced me to do the whole um, go fund me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not trying to get pity off people. I'll figure this out. And she actually made the account for me. And I'm, within two weeks, I was able to raise 3,600 bucks. And all that went just straight into repairing the vehicle fixing the windows. All the windows were shattered. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's that story on that. And that happened in 2017, which was the first year of my travels. Wow. What a, what a violation that, that, that story started off uh, and went South really quick, but you you picked us back up again with that story about the GoFundMe page and and people coming in and helping you out in that, in that way. So people uh, don't even know, bro. Like I don't, I didn't even have a whole lot of family members like donate to help me out. It was all strictly friends and just Instagram followers mainly like 90%, yeah. Yeah, which I mean, was unbelievable. This, this thing, this thing happens to you. It's, it's, it's a violation uh, of the highest magnitude. And you think to yourself, man, people are just terrible. They're just terrible. Who, who would do this? And then the, the other people come through and pick you up through the GoFundMe and you know, you, you reevaluate and you say, you know what? Most people are generally good. A good majority. Yes. Mm-hmm. The good majority of people that I come across, I think it has just a lot to do with my vibes and how um, I release that to other people. Um, it's just, I try to give more than what I receive. And so I think having working retail for over like 10 years, this has a lot to do with how I work and connect and communicate with people of all ages. Mm-hmm. I mean, even being able to have, um, uh, just having the patience to work with kids with disabilities and autism, like you mm-hmm. really have to have like a good personality to do that kind of stuff. And just Absolutely. patience overall, uh, patience is really the only word that comes to mind. So yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, things always come around. So for those people that did that stuff, I mean, their time will come. Right now, I'm still living the life I'm fortunate for what I have and what's been given to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm always thankful for that every day. 
Yeah. And if you, if you're listening to this, instead of, instead of watching this on YouTube, I encourage you when the episode is over to watch it again on YouTube. And you can see that we started out in bright daylight. He had the curtains pulled and slowly as the episode has continued here, the light has gotten darker and darker until that, darker clicking, that clicking you heard in the background was him pushing on uh, some interior lights. Yeah. And it's just my interior lights in my truck. So <laughs> I, I, I can see from yeah, the, the cam that's getting dark and it is what eight o'clock here now. Yeah. So yep. it is getting darker. Okay. Hey, Derek, what, what's next for, for dreadhead Derek? So for me, one of my goals is to visit every national park in the lower 48. So that's obviously not counting Alaska or Hawaii. My goal is get to every national park. So one conversation starter with me is on my day pack. I have a patch of every national park that I've been to. And so on my day pack, I have 35 national parks, patches on there. And so it's instantly always a conversation. Besides my dreadlocks, my patches on my backpack are always a conversation starter. So one of my goals is to get to every national park in the lower 48. So I've been to 35 out of the 51. So I got another 16, 16 more to go or so. Okay. And, and do you so have a that's favorite. Do you have a favorite so far that you visited ooh, 35? You know, I get that question all the time and I'm going to give you the same answer that I give to everybody else. Uh, I don't have a favorite national park, but I can give you a top five. Okay. <laughs> so I've been fortunate to visit all of them. Well, the, at least the 35 that I've been to, but the five that are in my, t- in my, in my uh, top five favorite list is going to be Yosemite okay, in uh, NorCal mm-hmm. Glacier National Park. And uh, that's in Montana mm-hmm. Canyonlands here in uh, Moab, Utah, Death Valley in central California. This is going to catch a lot of people by surprise, but drum roll, Big Bend National Park in Texas. Okay. You know, yeah. we, we, we have talked about each of those on the podcast and the, the first four, I kind of expected those are, those are very, very common answers, but, but big Ben, that's, that's one I had not heard of until uh, a few episodes back. And so it's an that, underrated park, man. It's a really yeah. underrated park. It's really out there. Like you have to drive a good distance to get to it. And I don't know a lot of people that travel to Texas to begin with on vacation, mm-hmm. So let's just start there and then to drive all the way south to the Texas-Mexico border, which is where it sits. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool stuff there with just dinosaur track history. You have like the whole canyon that you can actually uh, swim in. If you swim in that water, you're technically right on the border between Texas and Mexico. So actually, I did that. I drove from one canyon wall to the other side and I said, hey, like. <laughs> I'm in Mexico now, you know, so I joked little, around and told people oh, I went to Mexico, Mexico on this trip, there but go. there's some other just cool scenic stuff. There's a lot of cool hikes and hidden gems in that park that the national or national park rangers don't tell you about. So you have to put in that research to find some of these spots, which is what I love about a lot of the stuff that I prefer to shoot, putting in that little extra work with research, driving and hiking and then getting mm-hmm. there and hopefully having that whole spot all to yourself. So yeah, it's a, it's a great park and it's a fairly large park too. So, okay. And of the 16 that you have not visited yet, which one are you looking forward to the most? Probably Acadia national park in Maine. 
I keep hearing a lot of great things about that park. I still have not been there yet. I actually came across somebody, I think a day or two ago that lives out in Maine that says, Oh, have you, they'd seen obviously all the patches on my backpack. So they'd ask like, Oh, have you, have you been to Acadia? I don't see the patch on your backpack. I'm like, no, I have not been there yet. And this person just went off. I know the time of year, the scenery, all the different exhibits, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I know, I know. Like, it's just a matter of getting out there. It's a little far from where I'm at. So it's like, it's a long drive. It's a long flight. However the hell I get out there. But right. I told him I'll get out there eventually. So if I want to get that patch, I'll, I'll have to make my way out there. So. All right. Hey, Derek, you know where we are? I don't. The pro tip insight of the week. Right. Calf tells us it's time for the pro tip inside of the week, that time of the episode where I turn to you and ask you to tra- share some uh, trail wisdom or some adventure wisdom for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? Well, you know, man, the one thing that I always tell people is definitely just kind of live in the moment, man. Like try to put away the electronics, put away the phone. And this is coming from somebody that uses a phone for their photography but I try not to like, oh, I try not to let my phone overwhelm me in a sense to where, yes, we use our phones for everything. And yes, I use my phone for, for photography, but um, I kind of know when to use that in moderation. So when I'm out in the trails, I put my phone on airplane mode, get my shots. And I try to just live in that moment where it's like, I'm really just appreciating where I'm at, what I'm doing, what I've been capable of. And just, um, being fortunate to even being able to do what I'm doing. And so with that, it's like not just living in the moment, but even though we may be out hiking or backpacking, canyoneering, mountaineering, snowboarding, whatever the heck you're doing, and you may not have that service, you're always guaranteed to have that better connection with nature or with people. And so I tell people that all the time, man, it's just building that connection with whatever you're doing in that moment of time with people um, on the trail, the scenery you're looking at, don't feel like you constantly have to post like ASAP for social media. I probably post maybe once, maybe twice a week, but I post it on whenever I get around to having that time or service, you know, but you know, you only live once, man, but if you do it right, once is enough. So live it up, have a good time, meet new people, be open-minded. I mean, my rule of thumb is I just try to give, everything at least two chances you know i mean sometimes if you don't like it for the first time there's a good possibility that it didn't quite play out you know the way you wanted to but to be give give it a second chance then usually it ends up working out for you but um yeah man it's just one of those things where i try to just be very appreciative of kind of where i'm at what i'm doing who i am as a person and again being able to do what i'm doing and being able to build this following throughout the years and people living vicariously through my photos and showing even like, Hey, you kind of don't need to have four or five, $600 camera gear and equipment to get a lot of these shots. You do just have to, you do just have to put in the effort to get a shot that, you know, is actually, Oh shoot. Hold on a second. Oh, there it goes. Uh, get a shot that actually is like, yeah, the light will go off every once in a while on here because my truck's not on. So, uh, anywho, yeah, yeah, just putting in that extra effort to get that that shot with the good lighting, 
you could do it with the phone as well. But for the that, most that, part. That felt like uh, three or four pro tips. That was excellent, Derek. I really appreciate that. Oh, thanks, man. Okay. So there I you have it. I was happy to that, share. I mean, those oh. are just like a couple of things that like first came to mind, but nice. it's okay. just kind of, kind of how I think and what I tell people all the time. It's not living. It's not, it's not living carefully. It's living cleverly, man. So, and I, I heard that from a guy about just five, these, six years these ago. These nuggets, these nuggets of wisdom just falling from your lips there. You're full of them. In there like Well, swimmer. I mean, I, I meet a lot of people. And so these things, like, yeah. they, they stick with me. And I met this guy on a trail. I forget where the heck the trail was at. And we were talking. He saw my patches. And he's like, hey, you know, you seem like a young, wise kid. He's like, you know, if I have a daughter, you know, I would love to introduce you to her. But he's like, but I've got all boys. And he's like, but, you know, just being a solo traveler is like, just be careful out there because there's a lot of people that will take advantage of you. There's a lot of bad people. And he's like, you know, if you're just living as a minimalist on the road, he's like, the best advice that I can give you, and I'll never forget this, bro. This has stuck with me ever since. He was just like living as a minimalist, as a nomad wanderlust he's like just make sure you live um cleverly not 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 carefully because if you live too carefully like you over you you tend to overthink things so if you live you know if you kind of live your life that way he's like you'll definitely find ways to kind of get by so think clever not careful that might be the episode title right there that that's pretty good too i like that All right. So that's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Derek. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Derek, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah. So everybody that was listening, I thank you guys for taking the time. I was happy to do this. Uh, I'm going to go back to campsite and hang out with my buddies. Probably have a cold one or two, set the campfire. But, um, yeah, you guys, you guys can pretty much find me on Instagram. That's more so where I tend to post a lot of my stuff. Um, when I have service, I probably post around maybe once, twice a week. But you can find me under dreadhead underscore Derek, D-E-R-E-K. And on there, you can also find the link on my page to either my podcast or, like I said, about every month or so, I rotate them out to... Um, my travel blogs because I write for a company called the outbound. So I do my travel blogs through them. So either, or one of the two uh, links will be up there to either my blogs or uh, podcast under dreadhead underscore Derek. And that's where you can find me. And, and yeah, no, I appreciate everybody's support and thank you again so much for, um, for having me on, man. It's been fun. Absolutely. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmere at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Okay, Derek, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website uh, that's going to help keep our listeners connected to outdoor adventures. We're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Well, I guess one of my recommendations would be to check out the company that I write for called The Outbound. I do, like like I said, travel blog and write for them. So it's a free app. It's very similar to all trails where you can look up different hikes within the general area, description with like the distance, elevation, the height, pictures. I think it's a, a better quality when it comes to the writing scale and the photography. And that's why they had reached out to me on being 
um, not really an ambassador, but just being affiliated, working with them mm-hmm. as a, as a blogger. Cause I said, we really, really like your writing content and your photography and would you be interested? Yada, yada. And I said, yeah, for sure. You know? And so I think their, their standards are a little bit higher, but um, yeah, I would check them out. I would definitely look up the outbound app. And when it comes to movies, um, I don't know if I really have one. I mean, I really can't think of one off the top of my head, but that's okay. We can just stick with, with, with the app. That's fine. That's the person okay. that comes to mind. I'm not like a big movie watcher. I don't really have a lot of time right. like when I'm here in my truck or all my travels. And when it comes to books and magazines, yeah, I really can't even think of one either. So, okay. No problem. I was only looking, I was only looking for one, not, not one of each. So you're, you're off the hook there. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. What have we not asked you? Oh, there she is again. Hey, before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What, what did we miss? All right. This is going to really freaking throw you guys off guard. I was waiting for this too. This is one thing nobody knows about me that I kind of keep on the DL. Oh, wow. Okay. This is like a John freaking Mearpot exclusive right here. It kind of is, man. Okay. And if people, once I give you the, the slight description, then I'll give you guys the link to my other Instagram account where people can look at my, what I'm about to tell you now. But one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I'm a super diehard LA Lakers fan. Big time. And so they also know me as the Lakers Sparrow. So during the Lakers season, I dress up in like a Jack Sparrow, like Laker fan get up, going to Laker games, going to Lakers signing events, anything Lakers related. I do a lot of Laker games on the road. So one of my goals is to visit every Laker game or sorry, every NBA arena with the Lakers playing that team. And so I've been to 23 out of the, the 30 arenas so i still have wow. seven more arenas to go so i go and watch my lakers play in every nba arena been to boston been to madison square garden oh wow you name that's it awesome yeah. that's and awesome. so with that i have a huge lakers memorabilia collection i've been collecting for over 23 years i never talk about it never talk about it but it's kind of something if you know me personally uh-huh. it's one thing you'll know like okay like Derek, yeah loves the outdoors loves nature he loves photography but this dude's like a fanatic laker fan Win or lose, I'm there supporting. My keychain has like a little Lakers uh, medallion on it. But uh, yeah, my my Instagram page is uh, just Laker underscore Sparrow. Laker underscore Sparrow. You can find me there. You'll see my dedication to my memorabilia and collection there. And so let that just catch you off guard. <laughs> nice. Since you shared that, I feel like we're friends now. That you know We got close enough that you were able to, to open up and share that with us. Thank you. Purple and gold all day. That's right. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Laker fan as well. It was a tough season this season. but uh, It was horrible. We'll be back. Brighter days we'll ahead. Back. Yep, that's right. That's Absolutely. Right. Okay, that's a wrap from the John Freakamere Studio. Any shout-outs to friends and family, Derek? Yeah, hey, I just want to give a shout-out to everybody that was listening. Thank you so much again for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Um, big thanks to uh, um, all the companies I'm an ambassador for. It's been an honor representing you guys but hope to definitely meet up with you in person man and yeah no we'll get together this was a lot of fun so again the questions were not um prepped in my mind so i don't want it to seem scripted by any means so it was just all raw right from the heart man so thank you again uh, you were totally fresh totally fresh <laughs> all right hey, thank love, you for man. tuning in and always remember the trail is the trail 
It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if the cables are down and you've got to use your ice axe. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank you.